Welcome to Out on a Limb, where traditional finance and the new digital economy converge with a sense of history. Uh, today is November 30th, uh, 2022. It's 11 a.m. My name is Tim Enneking, and this is episode number lucky 13 of our podcast. A uh, number of interesting things today, not quite as dramatic as the news has been uh, recently, particularly in the in the crypto space, but there's plenty going on macroeconomically in the, in the fiat space that there's uh, plenty of food for discussion. The first point I want to discuss is capitulation. I made a prediction on the 15th of November that the FTX drop would equal capitulation. Uh, so far, that's proven to be exactly right. Uh, we will see, however, I think it's a little bit early to declare victory. We could easily see another leg down. But as of about 10 minutes ago, strangely enough, it, uh, it seems to be that uh, we, we may not see it. We'll get to what happened 10 minutes ago in a bit. So the real question is, what is, what is capitulation? How does it fit into, uh, into investing, really? And the, the concept of capitulation is, as the word as the word implies, is you give up. So the market just gives up. It just says, okay, look, we're not recovering. We're, we're, you know, the markets have fallen. It can be a company. It can be a, a sector like crypto. It can be all fiat. You, know, you, have a, you have a black swan event like COVID, and I believe it was March 20th of 2022, and everyone just gives up. And so it looks like it's going to go in a free fall. The, the irony and the reason why capitulation doesn't really mean what it used to mean, because it, 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 at one point in time, that was the pure definition I could shut up. But now people look for capitulation uh, because what happens when there is a true capitulation, if you look at any, any history, when just everybody is saying it's a bear market, the bottom's going to fall out, that is the bottom. And it immediately, virtually immediately starts to turn around sometimes dramatically. So because people have gotten smarter or smart, more knowledgeable is probably a better way of putting it, about capitulation, what, do, what does everyone try to do with every financial trend on the planet Earth today? And that is front run it. And part of that is because of the incredible amount of information that's available because of the internet that wasn't available even 20 years ago. Now, everyone's familiar with capitulation. Everyone's heard about capitulation. Not everyone is looking for it on the chance to pounce and go back in, but everyone's, everyone feels capitulation now. And as a result of that, it's not quite the dramatic event it used to be. When you had true capitulation and half the planet wasn't trying to front run it, it the bottom really did fall out, and that was indeed the bottom. Now it's a little bit harder to call capitulation because capitulation – even when it happens, even when you legitimately hit bottom and there's a bear market and you're starting to come back, because so many people have tried to front run it, it takes some of the sharper edges off of capitulation, if you will. I want to give you a couple of examples that have just happened to me in the last couple of weeks. Uh, first of all, on the crypto side, on the, the, you had FTX on the crypto side and it didn't affect any of the any of the organizations, the companies that I run in that in the investment vehicles, I shouldn't say it didn't affect them. The general drop in the market reduced the value of a few assets, but we actually do most of our most of our earning we do with what we call quasi fixed income or QFI, 
where we do staking and we do yield farming and various other things where you don't take a market position. With staking, however, you actually have to buy the underlying tokens. So there is some market exposure, but it's not trading exposure. So that the, the general drop in the market did affect us. But in terms of leverage yield, reapothecation, and all the other various things people talk about, didn't touch us at all. In fact, it, it probably uh, improved things. Uh, given the given the legitimacy that DeFi, decentralized finance, now has in the crypto space, or the growing legitimacy uh, compared now to CFI or centralized finance, so we put out a note saying to all investors after a couple of asks, "Hey, are we doing okay?" He said, "Yeah, we're doing absolutely fine." And I had two investors, and these are guys that have been with my oldest fund, which is almost six years old. For a while, they're familiar with the ups and downs of crypto. And they said, one in particular used the term, is this existential? Does this pose an existential risk for crypto? And I looked at that and I thought to myself, absolutely no way in hell does this pose an existential risk. But then my second thought was capitulation. If I've got a sophisticated long-term investor like this asking whether it's an existential risk, whether the FTX collapse is an existential risk for crypto, we're at the bottom. And that's why I made the prediction I did on, uh, on, November, on November 15th. The same month, so later this month, we've had the largest number of current investors doubling down that we've had since, actually maybe ever, but certainly since the beginning of the fund in, uh, in early 2017. So in the same month, I have people asking, are you, is crypto going to collapse? And let me put more money in crypto. And part of that's because of the specifics of the fund and how well we did with, with you know, despite, I guess, FTX. But part of it just illustrates what happens at the bottom, what happens with capitulation. And here I had one investor who, to me, to my mind, is proving capitulation. And I've got two, three other investors that are saying within 10 days of this guy saying, look, this is the bottom. This has got to be the bottom. It can't get any worse. It's clearly not, existen not existential. Let me put more money in. So that's on the crypto side. You really could feel capitulation with FTX. A bit artificial because usually capitulation is a general trading environment and it gets bad, it gets worse. There's a bottom. There may be like a one-day V bottom or something and then it works its way up. What FTX did was just make that a dramatic event and that's why I was quite comfortable with that call. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how uh, how correct I was. By the way, in one of my in one of my funds, we do a rebalancing where we have a third in BTC, a third in ETH, a third in stablecoin yield farming, and we rebalance every month so it stays a third, a third, a third. So while the markets were dropping, the stablecoins are obviously only increasing in value because of the of the good yields on them. And so stablecoins were feeding BTC and ETH. We have decided at the end of this month, we, re we will rebalance at the end of November, but then we're going to cease rebalancing. And what that means is there will be slightly more market exposure to BTC and ETH because I'm literally putting my money where my mouth is or my mouth was and uh, assuming that this is going to be the uh, be, be capitulation, at least on the crypto side, and we're moving up from here. Other folks are a bit more pessimistic, but I'll I'll stand by what I say, and I'm acting on what I said. Now, then you go to the fiat space and had a, a, a very, very interesting uh, experience with options. There is a, a company we follow, which is a game engine for 
mobile computing and been following it for actually years when it was still a private company and bought some private shares on the secondary market. And this is all in the family office I run. This isn't crypto related at all. And it went public at like 70. It went to like 200. We had some lockup provisions we couldn't sell. The lockup kicked in, it plunged, and we thought, okay, look, we're not, we're going to hold on to this. But then something awful happened: is is the the tech plunge came, and 2022 happened, and and everything else, and the stock just plunged, and it broke through 30, and uh, the one of the other gentlemen involved in managing the trust, who's also the beneficiary, said, okay, let's let's buy some here, and I said, no, 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 let's wait, let's wait, and then let's do options. So we waited and we waited and it got below 22. And the next day there was an earnings call and thought, okay, this is the time we go. So we put not a lot of money, uh, but we put a decent amount of money in on options, the options of this company. And it had gotten dragged down because the general market had gotten dragged down. The company was still doing fundamentally very well. It had just was tarred with a very wide brush. And so there was the earnings call. It was decent, some good prospects, wasn't fabulous, but it was solid and, and it sounded professional. And so in 48 hours, well, two trading days, we made 400% on these, uh, on these options because the next day, there's also some good financial news that, uh, financial news that came out. And, you know, part of it was related to this company specifically. Part of it was just dumb luck. Anyone who tells you there's no luck involved in trading is out of his mind. Uh, and part of it was macro. Uh, and viewing viewing the, a bit probably too much of the universe through this company, that also told me, okay, look, there is a possibility still of making this kind of money now. This company is not totally isolated from the macroeconomic climate. The, the fact that investors so quickly were able to turn 180 degrees on this company means is indicative to me of the fact that uh, people are still uncertain and they're willing to jump on any good news in the same way they're willing, they're, they want to run from any bad news. So a clear indication of capitulation on the, on the uh, uh, crypto side. On the fiat side, with the various, uh, with reductions and various hints of reductions in uh, in uh, interest rate hikes, you also have to ask yourself the same thing. Is this capitulation? Have we capitulated? And actually, capitulation was probably a couple weeks ago. Strangely enough, as we talked about the tail wagging the dog, right around the FTX fallout, because the FTX issues actually did uh, affect fiat markets as well. Oh, and as a quick aside, uh, BTC just within the last 15 seconds has sent a set a new recent high by going, going over, back over 17,100, which we will talk about in a second. So anyway, that's capitulation. You, it's one of those things where, where uh, like the Supreme Court said, I believe it was about pornography. I can't define it. I don't know what it, I, I, I can't give you a, a rigid definition, but I know what it is when I see it. Uh, capitulation is kind of the same thing. It's a bit harder to define. It's very psychological in nature. It's hard to identify in advance, but when it happens, you can feel it. And that's really what I felt when I started getting those emails from experienced crypto folks. And not only in the fund, but from other folks as well. And when other people in the market start saying, oh, it's going to go to 10,000, it's going to 6,000, 
I'm going to go to 14,000, which had a little bit more credibility. You saw more and more of that. When everybody is saying, it's going to go down, it's going to go down, it's going to go down, that's the end buy. Uh, the same thing works on the way up, but we'll talk about that uh, on, on a different day. Now we're going to talk about my one of my, my many uh, themes here, which is bad news being good news and good news being bad news, except in this case, the theme is when bad news is bad news. And there are times where the news is so fundamentally poor, or frankly, so fundamentally good, but we'll get back to that in a second, that it just drags everything down. So lately, we've seen economic bad news has been good for markets because the markets say, okay, great, this means that interest rates are not going to go up so much. And when the cost of money is higher, uh, equities, among other things, go up. So, but here we had with China last week, we have had bad news that is just bad news. The uh, disruptions in China because of simply the fact that Chinese, Chinese citizens are becoming fed up with two and a half years of, of insanely tight, massive, broad brush COVID lockdowns, they've had enough. Uh, the trigger event is interesting because it's similar to the trigger event for the Iranian protests, which doesn't have nearly as much of a macroeconomic effect as China does, and that is someone died. In the case of China, it was a fire where seven people died and sending the fire equipment and just getting notification out of the fact that there was a fire was hampered tremendously by COVID restrictions. And that got a fair amount of distribution before the Great Firewall of China uh, chopped it down. But it was enough, it was the last straw, if you will, and set off just a whole range of protests. The amazing thing is about the protests in China is because of the Great Firewall. And with COVID, the Chinese government has used COVID as a pretext to just control movement to an insane degree, to a degree that exists nowhere on the planet Earth, including in you know garden spots like North Korea. The... You have to have your cell phone with you that shows where you have been, that you haven't been in a uh, COVID-infected area. Uh, The the communication is all sent via your your cell phone. There's communication from the government as to whether you can go in an area, whether you're affected by a COVID lockdown. Uh, The the, big brother state is alive and well in China like nothing ever seen. And over time, that war has worn on the population, and the population is just fed up. The amazing thing is, is that there is no news. There is absolutely no word of this on Chinese official media, and virtually all media in China is state media. Uh, So you have to, uh, the people of China have to communicate with one another using some sort of underground fashion, whether it be uh, some some, uh, chat app, most of which uh, are government monitored, many of which are government controlled uh, uh, or banned. So you have to find an alternative mechanism, a non-standard mechanism to communicate what's going on or everything just becomes like flash mobs, which were you know, so, so popular before, before COVID, you have flash demonstrations. And because of the importance of China in the global supply chain on the one hand, and when global consumption, particularly everyone pays attention to oil, but now even you know oil and steel primarily, but now coal has become an issue, uh, nickel, lithium, uh, other, other raw materials, it becomes very bad for the world economy from both a demand side where demand from, uh, from China is going to drop 
demand both for raw materials and for finished resources, uh, finished products more and more. And because it is still the factory of the world, you're going to have more supply issues because well, everyone's heard about the Apple plant, which is well, Foxconn runs has been shut down. And so now production is going to fall, fall 6 million short this year, which is quite astonishing since we're already in the last day of November. And it takes a lot to cut 6 million out of the out of the uh, uh, supply chain. But that really shows as, as uh, you know, a good example of how important China is. And if China is A, locked down, and B, experiencing riots, that's not going to do anything to increase the, uh, the to ease the supply chain. Uh, supply chain issues have mostly been worked out over the last couple of years, uh, but this is an indication they could start again almost immediately. So it does happen. That bad news is legitimately bad news. Then you had yesterday's, or actually this morning's news, that the U.S. economy had actually grown at 2.9% more than almost everybody had predicted. Now, on the other, on the one hand, this is good news because, hey, we're not going into recession, or at least not as quickly as, as some people thought we might. But of course, it's got the good news is bad news aspect of it because, ah, the Federal Reserve may, raise, may have to raise rates more quickly. And one of the Fed governors actually come out and said, or sorry, not more quickly, but more extensively, actually came out and said, this is bad news for reducing rate hikes. And so the markets were a bit skeptical. And so they're down about half a percentage today. I, I look at the S&P as a, as a, as a good indicator of, of, uh, of the markets. There are other metrics, but I prefer that one. And it was down about uh, 35 basis points this morning. It didn't go down more, mainly because everybody was hanging on what was Powell going to say. Because, you know, as the Fed chairman, his word carries more weights the, weight than one of the members of the, of the FOMC, the Federal Open Market, Market Committee, and he was scheduled to speak this morning. He was remarkably clear, and from the market's perspective, uh, remarkably optimistic. Uh, he came out and said that given there, that there have been four 75 basis point increases, there is now is the time to moderate rate increases and say was considering it or anything. He said now is the time. And basically in the, the classic coded text that is reading FOMC uh, minutes, meetings, and in this case, interviews said that we're going to have a 50 basis point increase in December. That's already uh, established. And that was the bottom of what the markets were looking for. Nobody was really looking for 100 basis points because that's never been done before and things are at least not getting worse if they're not getting better. But people were quite concerned. Many folks are quite concerned about a 75 basis point increase. Now off the table, and most importantly, a lot of the uncertainty is off the table because people know it's in, in two weeks. I think the FOMC meets on the 13th and 14th this month. Two weeks, we're going to see a 50 basis point increase. Now we have some predictability we have some certainty, and that is what business looks for. It also means that the next FOMC committee meeting, which is on the last day of January and the first day of February, the worst case there is 50, but maybe we'll see 25. And that hope jumps out. Now, it's very funny because, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, it happened about 10 minutes ago. I was just looking at some of the screens I monitor, and the S&P had gone vertical. Uh, it was down about 35 bips, as I mentioned, and that was just before, uh, you know, 15 minutes before the before the podcast started. The S&P is now up almost 
which is just a crazy move in a short period of time. Now, Bitcoin, as I mentioned, reacted similarly. Right when the news came out, Bitcoin was at about 16,700, which is not bad since it, it actually went down into the 15,000s. So it was uh, doing moderately well, had a nice little jump yesterday, but had given about half of it back. So it was, was moving sideways basically at 16.7. And within, uh, within one 30-minute candle, it hit 17,000. And the second 30-minute candle, it hit uh, where it is now, 17,100. And the high was 17,150. So I'm looking at... I've broken into five-minute candles now. So that happened, that move, which is about 400, depending on what exactly you want to use. So you're looking at a 2.5% move. So how, how interesting. The move is almost the exact same size on a percentage basis as the S&P move was. Uh, something to be said about correlation there. So we'll save uh, another discussion of correlation for a... A different podcast. That's the third and last point for today. I hope you all have a wonderful week and have fun preparing for the holidays.